The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Let's be honest, Mark. The only reason you're actually doing this podcast is because you just want to rub it in. Because you destroyed me. Oh, my God. Oh, Thanksgiving 2018. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's going to go down as like. It's the turning point. It's going to go down as like bloody Thanksgiving. As I went 0 for 3 in our picks. Blund, bl- uh, Thursday, bloody Thursday. Oh is my what, God. It's it like you 2 dr- song. It was, it was dreadful. So, And I knew it was dreadful because like after the Cowboys you got a text game was from over. Me? You got, I got a text from you just saying, are you 0-2? I'm like, ah, son of a bitch you know couldn't even enjoy i'm sitting on the couch i'm just like stewing what is what is our records now this is the swing it it could be so i went oh and three so i'm 21 and 16 you went two and one so you're 2014 and one so uh game and a half lead on me game and a half game and a half lead so we'll get to the (sighs) money maker picture in a little bit but uh yeah the day that was good football yesterday uh not a whole lot of suspense but we uh, we saw. Can, is it is it safe to say Drew Brees has to be the MVP of the league? Not only because he deserves it, because he's never had it in his career. So whether it's lifetime achievement award or just the idea that he threw four touchdown passes yesterday to got some guys named Tommy Lee Lewis, Austin Carr, uh, Dan Arnold, and Keith Kirkwood. I mean, if that isn't Proof that this guy needs to be the MVP. I don't know what is. You know, it sounds like, it literally sounds like an Old West movie. All those names, like Keith Kirkwood, Dan Arnold. Like, they're just, they're like the OK Corral. They're just going to huddle around a table discussing, you know, how they're going to, how they're going to rob the treasury. I, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is, it's amazing when you look at what Drew Brees has been able to accomplish. Um, and you know, completing almost seventy-seven percent of his passes, he takes shots. It's not like the all—it's not like this prototypical spread offense, like we're just throwing bubble screens and like they take shots down the football field to multiple different targets. And it's so funny—the juxtaposition of honestly the two best teams in the NFC right now, and that is the Rams, and then that is the Saints, and how the Saints. Formation you to death, personnel group you to death. I mean, they just, I mean, they're constantly running multiple backs, receivers, tight ends. They're in two tights, they're in two backs, they're in three wides, they're in, you know, it's constantly different personnel groupings coming at you. The Rams just line up in three wides and say, okay, this is our personnel. Here we go. And it's amazing because they're, they're like two separate kind of philosophical approaches, but they're still. Great, and I think the thing that sets them both apart, interestingly enough, is the Rams call it the illusion of complexity. We're pretty simple, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna run a lot of jet motions and jet sweeps, and we're gonna do a lot of, 
You know, a lot of things from, you know, from two-by-two formations and all of a sudden motion into three-by-two, and we're going to run essentially the same plays, just make them, you know, identical plays, just make them all look different. Where the Saints get you with personnel groupings, running them in and out, they both find a way to get you on your heels, and then ultimately, they both want to run it on you. You know, and now, not Monday night notwithstanding, because that was just a, that was just a shootout. But both these teams want to feature their running backs, two running backs in the Saints, one in Todd Gurley with the Rams. But they both want to just kind of bludgeon you, and both their offensive lines are outstanding. So as different as they are in approach, they're kind of the same in philosophical approach. You know what I mean? And it's really there's a real interesting juxtaposition of how these two teams operate. But at their core, they both dominate the line of scrimmage, and they both want to run it down your throat. You know, when it comes to the NFC, nothing's changed for me. I don't think it's changed for you. It's It starts and ends with, with Rams and Saints. But tell you what, I, I'm very impressed by what I've seen from Chicago. Over these last 11 days, 11 days they win three football games, two against a division opponent. Right. And I know the Lions aren't any good, but still, you have to beat that division opponent that second time on the road in their place, Thanksgiving Day, where they tend to give their best. And... What was it? 85 hours from the moment they left the field Sunday night against the Vikings to kicking off on the road at Detroit Thursday morning and doing it with a quarterback who threw his second and third career touchdown passes uh, of his career. And this is a career than Chase Daniel that goes back to 2010 for them to do all of that in such a short span of time and running the record to 8-3, and three, very impressed. Very impressed by what I've seen from the Bears. How about you? No question about it. Matt Nagy obviously should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year with what he's done. They did it with a backup quarterback in Chase Daniel. And it just goes to show you the importance of having a guy, um, that extra kind of set of eyes in the room, that, that guy that can coach you up, um, a guy that can mentor a young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. You know, I was really concerned, and that's the one game I picked wrong. I was concerned, one, backup quarterback. Two, a big part of their offense is Mitch Trubisky's legs and extending plays, getting outside the pocket, um, scrambling around, creating yardage. He leads all quarterbacks as far as yards from scrimmage from uh, a running standpoint. I was like, where are they going to make up for that yardage? Like, How are they going to make that up in those big plays that he produces with his legs? Um, and obviously Chase Daniels comes in there and is like, I mean, he is on target, two TDs, no interceptions. Um, he was great. Uh, he, 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 he was so solid and, and, you know, it really helped. I, I think really helped from a, the standpoint of there's no panic here with Chicago Bears. Let's face it. They, they, they're going to focus on their defense. They're going to be, they're going to be great. By the way, you look at, you look at the games yesterday, you look at the games on Thanksgiving what an impact Alabama. Eddie Jackson gets to pick six for the Bears, right? Look at the look at the Amari Cooper for Dallas. Look at the defense of the Redskins. I mean, how many guys come from Alabama on their defensive line? Two or three guys on their defensive line from Alabama. I mean, it it just was Mark amazing. Ingram, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, yeah. I mean, it just was it was amazing. Like, if you didn't have Alabama, you, you could have shut down Thanksgiving Day games. And not only that, you know, you, you, think about the thank, you think about the trades right before Thanksgiving. You know, I mean, think about Khalil Mack right before the trade deadline with Chicago, what a difference that's made. 
Amari Cooper right before the trade deadline for Dallas. What difference that's made. Um, you know, I mean, even Eli Apple going from the Giants where he was public enemy number one to basically lining up against Julio Jones. Oh, by the way, another Alabama player. And, and you know, and, and having a decent day against Julio. And now there was a lot of double coverage. Don't get me wrong, but just amazing when when you watch Thanksgiving Day and the influence of, of trades, the influence of the, you know, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, I mean, how many Idaho guys played, do you think? Yeah, how many Idaho? How many Syracuse guys? Yeah. Syracuse? Hey, listen, man. You're not going to ever hear me talk any smack about Syracuse football. I understand my lot in life when it comes to being a Syracuse football fan. Mm-hmm. They've been bad for a long time. Little mini revival this year, but don't don't worry. Right. You're not going to bait me into okay. like talking right, smack. Now basketball is a different matter, but that's a, a conversation for another day. And the Cowboys, I still think the Cowboys gave up too much for Rory Cooper, but after a performance like yesterday, that deal looks good. Do you see Jerry? Oh my God! Was he in his glory? Oh my goodness! Slapping high fives up there in the owner's box. Just loving life. Jason Garrett, the what? ultimate survivor, walking off the field with a big old smile. Hey, man, the Cowboys got some good mojo going on I, right now. I will now. tell you this. It's funny. You look at some of the moves. You know, as much as we criticize Jerry Jones, the the not the owner, but Jerry Jones, the GM, Van Der Esch, Leighton Van Der Esch, that dude is a great football player. Um. What's the kid's name, Jalen Smith? Yep. That was a very controversial pick, remember? Right. What he's been able to do, mm-hmm. he's he's been phenomenal this year. You look at you look at the way they built that offensive line. The one thing about the Dallas Cowboys, when you play them, they're gonna they're gonna. I mean, both both lines of scrimmage, they're gonna dominate lines of scrimmage. And I think Amari Cooper. Say whatever you want. Maybe it's maybe it's you know, maybe it's just fortuitous. But what he's meant to them in the running game, kind of opened things up a little bit in the running game, has really helped them. That and getting Xavier um, uh, Suofi, Suof, how do you say his name? Suofilo, Suofilo. Sorry, man. Whatever it is, you're all alone on this one. Yeah. Um, but playing left guard, re- replacing Connor Williams, he's been he has been tremendous solidifying that offensive line. Uh, so they've they've done some. I mean, if you looked at the NFC right now, I mean, seriously, behind the Saints and the Rams, based on the way teams are playing, who would be your next? Who would be your next team in the NFC? Oof. Wouldn't it have to be the I, I Cowboys? Think I have to go with the Cowboys, yeah. I mean, they're going to win the division, right? You got to think. Washington's just going to be limping home to the finish. Yeah, I mean, come on. Washington is, you know, they lost their quarterback. I mean, Chicago? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I'd probably say Chicago still represents the, because, boy, that defense gets after you. That defense gets after you, and they turn you, and they turn you over. And in today's NFL, Mark, where there's so much emphasis on being able to score the football and the rules are all against the defense, the idea that you're just going to go out and just lock down the Rams or the or, or, or the Saints mm-hmm. seems preposterous, right? But here's what you can do. You can turn them over. 
You know what I mean? You can right. you can cause mistakes. Well, you look at you look at the game, New Orleans at in, in Atlanta on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, that really wasn't four what four, four turnovers, turnovers, yeah, bunch in the red zone, yeah. two or three in the red zone, yeah. So and Chicago really could different. turn you over, and you know, can Chicago just go out for sixty minutes and neutralize the Rams or Saints? No, but they can turn you over. Turnovers are the great equalizer. Yeah, you know, so mm-hmm. we shall see. But uh, hey, we had we had we had we had a great guest this week on our on our show. Yeah, that I know you you wanted to to share with everybody. Yeah, we thought you know Adam Schefter is is one of the best in the business or the best in the business and a good friend of the show and a Denver guy. And so we you know we had him come on the show uh, our show uh, here locally in Denver and uh, talk about the NFL in general. And Started so, off by uh, talking about. Drew Brees, and whether or not this is the year that Brees wins the MVP, right? How could he not, right? Right. Look, as good as Todd Gurley has been, as good as Ezekiel Elliott has been, as good as he, I mean, who else is it? Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they've all been great. But first of all, on merit alone, it's like one of these uh, actors or actresses that goes his whole career that doesn't want like Susan Luthier. Like, they got to just win it, not only because they deserve it, but because of all their previous accomplishments. Right, Drew Brees has never won it, which is unimaginable to me that the NFL's all-time passing leader, who's had the type of career that he's had and the effect that he's had on that franchise, and not to mention the, the season he's had, which flat out he's been the best player in the league this year. He's been the MVP. So I don't know how he doesn't win it, but look, there, there's four or five weeks left in the season. Uh, funny things happen, but to me, he's got to be the guy. Call your shot right now. Which two teams are playing in the Super Bowl? Saints Chiefs. Okay. What do you think? We had this yeah. we had this discussion the other day about the aftermath of the Rams and Chiefs and the likelihood that we could see a rematch. I like the Chiefs' chances of getting back there better than the, the Rams. Well, the Saints are so good right now. And you know, here's the thing. I remember over the summer getting calls from people saying, hey, um, as good as the Saints' offense is and has been, the defense has dominated camp. And if you look at the Saints' defense the last three weeks, we're talking about Drew Brees, but they went to Cincinnati, forced a bunch of turnovers, got a ton of pressure, pulled out the victory. Okay, they, 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 the next week, um, last week, go up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are fighting for their season, and just, just shut them down defensively. And then last night, forced all those turnovers. Now, not to mention the fact that their defense went in and played with the defense of the Ravens in Baltimore, cold outside, went in and played with the defense in Minnesota in the Dome, all games the Saints won. And to me, the, the defense is, is the more underrated aspect of the Saints. No one's talking about them because Drew Brees is having the MVP kind of season that he is, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. I mean, all those guys, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. But the fact of the matter is this is one of the rare times the Saints have had a defense that can play with the offense, which is why I think that they're the favorite in the NFC. Not to mention the fact that they they beat the Rams in New Orleans already. So if the Saints just continue to take care of their business, the Rams have to go back to New Orleans and try to beat them there, which, you know, it doesn't feel like anybody could beat the Saints in New Orleans these days. You know what, what's interesting, Adam, is the way the, the just the overall perspective of trades have mm-hmm. changed in this league. Because you look at yesterday – a mm-hmm. bunch of people that were traded at the deadline are are doing great things for their football teams. And, and, it, and it used to never happen. You know, it, it's funny. I don't know if you saw my tweet right before I came on the air. I was waiting to come on, and I, and I tweeted out something that I thought of this morning. But the Bears made a 
season franchise-changing trade right before the opener, Khalil Mack. The Cowboys, right before the deadline, trade for Amari Cooper. And even the Saints, right before the deadline, traded for Eli Apple, who was on Julio Jones last night. And every one of those players has been very important to their respective teams, some more so than others. I mean, Khalil Mack has been unbelievable. And Amari Cooper's opened things up, and Eli Apple's been good. But you're right. Trades used to be taboo in the NFL. And I think that we've seen, and it has been proven by these young, aggressive general managers, that some of these successful teams make, they're not afraid of making trades. You know, trades are more common than ever before. And, and even if you go back to last year, the Eagles traded for Jay Ajayi right before the deadline. He was instrumental in their Super Bowl run. Now they tried it again this year with Golden Tate, and it hasn't worked out so far. But there's still time for the Eagles to bounce back as bad as they've been playing. So, yeah, to me, uh, this this idea that trades are, are risky and people are playing conservative, that, that's from the 1980s and the early 90s. That doesn't fly anymore. The more aggressive, the better it is. Visit with Adam Schefter. Is the Cowboys' resurgence a testament to the idea of staying patient uh, with your coach, continuity with your head coach, or is that just a, a special case in Dallas with Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones? That's a good question, Mike. Well, you know what I would say to you is, again, something that not many people are talking about, uh, and Stink will really understand this, but at the deadline – not only did they go out and trade for Mari Cooper, who's kind of opened up the running game, but in a move that did not get very much attention at all, they went out and basically fired their offensive line coach, Paul Alexander, promoted Mark Colombo, former Boston College offensive tackle, and I believe most important, brought back Hudson Houck, who was the offensive line coach during all the Super Bowl teams when they were dominant up front. And stink. It would almost be like somebody bringing Alex Gibbs out of retirement at midseason as a consultant and the type of role that would have. And I think Hudson Houck has been huge. For the, I don't think they've lost since Hudson Houck has been back. Now, right. you know, is, it all, is it all him? No. But is it a part of it? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and um, Xavier Suofilo as well has really helped solidify that offensive line. There's no question about that. Hey, real quick, Green Bay Packers, is there um... – is the is there tension between Rodgers and McCarthy? Does it just look like a one of those? Hey, after you've been there for a while, it's it's almost time to move on. It just feels like something's going on in Green Bay. You know, it, it, it's funny. I, I think we've seen this over time with every almost every successful quarterback and head coach tandem, right? Like Elway and Reeves, um, Brady and Belichick, Rodgers and McCarthy. Like, I, yeah, I, you know, I'm sure it's not perfect. You know, it's, it's like a long-standing married couple that has arguments. And, and there's been a lot of talk and speculation that that relationship hasn't been exactly right, and I'm sure it hasn't been. Um, has it prevented them from achieving what they want? I don't think so, by and large. Um, although I will say that the Packers have played 25 years or so with Brooks Favre and Aaron Rodgers and have only two Super Bowl titles. Now, I know that they killed for that in Cleveland and Arizona and Jacksonville and some other places. Um, but the fact of the matter is, when you get two of the most prolific historic quarterbacks of all time. And you only got two Super Bowls to show for it over a quarter of a century. I think that's a little bit disappointing. Hey, last one for you, Adam. I was I was reading about how Josh McDaniels was a big believer, big fan of Baker Mayfield, even mm-hmm. pushed for the Patriots to work out Baker just with the, the possibility, 
you know, if he was going to, you know, slide in the draft or he wasn't going to move up as much as he ended up moving up. What what about the idea that that McDaniel's, who's from Canton, Ohio, by the way, mm-hmm. is McDaniel's perhaps the lead candidate to uh, take over in Cleveland? Well, I I, I, I don't know how we call him the lead candidate. Okay, I mean the Browns are going to conduct a extensive search, and they'll look at a lot of different candidates. Do I think Josh McDaniels is and should be a part of that conversation? Absolutely. Do I think he's the lead? I don't know what the Browns are thinking in regards to the lead dog there. I mean, Josh McDaniels would make a lot of sense. Uh, I believe he is a Baker Mayfield fan. I, you know, that that's the kind of guy I think you'd want working with a young quarterback. And so, to me, he'd be in the running. But the question is whether or not he'd want to go there. I, I, my own sense is it would interest him. But would it be interest him enough to go is the question. And I guess that would be up to the Browns to push and motivate them to try to see if they could get that done. Hey, last one for me real quick. Um, yep. Vance Joseph, you know, from, you know, he takes kind of a beating here in, in Denver, Colorado. I don't know what, what else is out there, but what is the national perspective on, on him as a coach that, that you hear? Well, I, you know, I guess my, you say he takes a beating there. What, what does that mean exactly? I'm just curious. Well, pe- people like want the, him gone. the fans want him gone. They think there's yeah. somebody better out there. You know, you know, nationally, people don't obsess over it the way that, you know, local fans do over their local football team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think nationally we all look in at it and, and we all say or think that he's coaching for his job this year and that he's got to win games to keep the job. And I think he knows that. So, I, you know, I, I don't think there's this national clamoring like there is a local clamoring that, hey, you know, boy, you know, the Broncos need to got to make a change. It, it, I don't think the national perspective works like that. I, I think that you know Vance, Vance has had a nice run as assistant coach. Uh, everybody's waiting to see whether or not he could do it as a head coach. He's got this opportunity. We'll see what he could do in these last five, six games. But is the national perspective looking in that the Broncos should be a good team? I, you know, I, the national perspective is more skewed to the Rams and the Chiefs and the Saints. And the, they're not talking about where the Broncos mm-hmm. in, in the bottom third of the league, where they should be a better team. Because they don't have the quarterback. I mean, is that? But isn't that really what it comes down to? You know what? You know what it is. I, I mean, I, first of all, what does that mean? The na- so I guess you know we're talking about you know national writers and national talk shows and national and national. They're not spending much time. The Broncos haven't been overly relevant. Well, but that's but that's my point. I guess is that when somebody who has a national view of the league is is asked about the Broncos, what's that that quick? It's like word association. What comes to mind? And well, I think what you're saying is it's a it's a whole lot of you know blah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I guess I'm a national football reporter, correct? Right. So, so you're asking me mm-hmm. what's my perspective about, and I don't find them to be overly relevant to this season. Yeah, that's all. I mean, you know, we're, we're focused in on what, what's what's Denver's record right now? Four and seven. Four and six. Four six. Four and six. Okay, four and six. I, I guess you know it's the kind of show me something, right? Like go beat Pittsburgh at home. Go reel off right. a few wins. Right. Go, go go make yourself relevant and get in the conversation. And they haven't done that. It's a great point. Fair enough. All Fair right, enough. Adam. Thanks, buddy. You got it, guys. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving. All right, there he is the uh, one and only Adam Schefter from. ESPN, always uh, enjoy his perspective on uh, what's going on around the league. 
And uh, time for our moneymaker picks. I'm I'm very, very anxious. You know, this is like one of those examples yeah. of, you know, you, you can't wait to get back out on the field after a disastrous performance. After my performance picking games on Thanksgiving Day, I want to get back out there fast. Yeah, well, you uh, should be very nervous because I have opened up a huge lead on you. But you know what Sundays are for? They're for watching football and enjoying a cold beer with your friends and your family. Make sure you check out the new Bud Light team cans. Um, and the team bottles are really cool. Now available in stores all over the place. So that's the Bud Light team cans. They bring you this uh, these money maker picks. They sponsor the money maker picks. So are are you ready to go? Am I first or are you first? You get to go first. So just so you know, I went zero and three. So that drops my overall record to twenty one and sixteen. You went one and uh, excuse me, two and one. So you are twenty two fourteen. And one. So there's your game and a half lead over me. Commanding lead. Okay, so my first moneymaker pick. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Denver. I think they're going to take over the Denver Broncos Stadium. They uh, they travel as well as anybody in the league. 17-1 or 15-1-1 in their last 17 games. I think they come in here. They're just... Um, I think the, the game against Jacksonville, they came back, won that game, what, 20-16, to heroics. I think that's one of those games where you can actually get an ugly win, go back and look at your football team where your coaches can say, you do this, you'll get beat in Denver. You do this, you'll get beat in Denver. You do this, you'll get beat in Denver. I think the, I think the Broncos keep it close, but eventually Pittsburgh pulls away in the end. Um, ben Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger extends plays. I'm going to go about a 7-9 to nine point win for the Steelers, call it. Um, let's call it thirty-one to twenty-three. Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Um, so that's my first. All right. So uh, I've got Pittsburgh in that game. I think that um, I will move on from there. Boy, this is this is this, there's some big spreads here. Arizona taking on the Chargers. The Chargers losing last week. To the Denver Broncos, that's a a what a thirteen and a half point spread. Um, I'm I won with a thirteen point spread with New Orleans. I'm going to go Chargers. Something to prove. I know Arizona's a bad football team. I know offensively they're a bad football team. I think the Chargers. Um, I think the Chargers play really well in this game. I think the Chargers win that game going away. So I'll give up the 13 and a half points. I'll take the Chargers in in that game. Um, and then lastly, my last game as I look here, I'm going to get back on the New England bandwagon. Huge spread, 11 and a half points over the Jets. Um, on the road, I just don't think New York has enough firepower on the offensive side of the ball to, uh, to really make a difference there. So I'm going to take... The New England Patriots, Tom Brady, after a loss, bye week coming off their bye week. I think they put it on them. Uh, I'll, I'll take the New England Patriots on a big spread. All right, sounds good. Uh, I'll quickly answer with, I'm going to take Carolina uh, at home. Panthers have lost two in a row. Um, they they need to get back to, to winning to uh, hold on to that wild card spot. Uh, I think they will. Seattle is a, you know, Seattle's developed into a nice gritty team, but they're not as talented as Carolina on the road. Give me Carolina minus three over the Seahawks. Give me Houston. Monday night game for Houston. Wow. Back under the uh, the bright lights, and I think they'll respond well. Tennessee, who knows what you're going to get with Tennessee. One week they look great in beating the Patriots. The next week they look awful in losing to the Colts. Um, they're on the road again, so give me Houston minus the seven. And uh, a- another team that is getting to that point where they're, they're playing – 
crucial must-win football games if they want to uh, find a way into the playoffs. Give me Minnesota at home, minus three over Green Bay. All right. Well, it sounds good, buddy. Sounds good. I, I need I a mean, bounce back. You do need a bounce God, back. I was humiliated. Could I, you imagine? I, seriously, I did not enjoy my Thanksgiving as much as I normally would because as I was watching those games, I was just thinking about you laughing Yes. at my ineptitude. I was seriously, when when the Redskins went up 13-10, I was like, <sighs> That's not good that we're spending our holidays with our loved ones Spending time thinking about the other's picks. I know. That's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. Shows you how seriously we take them, though. I know it. I'm crushing you. Uh, hey, for everybody Get involved. Get some rest, will you? Yeah, for everybody involved with the Stinky Truth Podcast. Ricola. We will be back and better than ever, as far as you know, uh, at the beginning of next week.